You're listening to episode 48. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Journals podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week and uh, Davis Mutabo here, your host. I am very excited to bring you today's feature guest, Miss Carissa Reiniger. Carissa, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? I am. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Well, Carissa, ladies and gentlemen, is an entrepreneur and a small business growth expert. The SLAP methodology is her signature makeover product through which she has influenced over 10,000 small businesses. So Carissa has also written um, three books on how to grow and help small business succeed in addition to being featured in the New York Times, Forbes, CNN, and many more um, media outlets. So I'm super excited to dig more into your story, Carissa. So uh, firstly, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, but firstly, before we get into your business and etc., um, maybe just take 30 seconds and tell us who is Carissa outside of business. Yeah, it's a good question. So I'm, um, I'm a proud Canadian, living very proudly in New York, um, spending significant time in Australia. So I'm definitely a global citizen. Um, I've traveled a lot and I consider many places my home and I, and I love that about my life. Um, I'm a huge theater and arts and culture nerd. And so you will often find me at independent tiny, tiny theaters um, off-Broadway or at cool, funky indie film houses. Those are my favorite things to do. Um, I love my family. I spend a lot of time with my family um, in Canada and my in-laws in Australia. My nieces are some of my favorite people in the world. I think little people are the most interesting people, and so I love them. Um, and, you know, I'm really I'm fascinated by, you know, the economy and by humans and by just how we all interact together in the world and how um, and how we all, you know, take action to create the reality that we live in. And so I'm just personally fascinated by how we help humans in general create the realities that they want and, you know, live into their visions and their dreams and their power. And, um, you know, that's kind of my, I think that's my life work and silver lining is certainly an element of that, but, um, that's who I am beyond much beyond silver lining. Mm. That's great. And talking about, you know, silver lining, um, was that your first business launch and how long have you been full-time in business for yourself? Yeah, so I started Silver Lining 11 and a half years ago, which is hard to believe. I was 22. Um, and so it was my first official business. You know, I don't have the story of, you know, 
being the eight-year-old with a lemonade stand. I got my first job when I was 11, um, and I always worked a lot and worked hard. Um, but Silver Lining is my first business, and I've been doing it for a long time. Amazing. Congratulations on the success you've had there, Carissa. Um, tell me, what are your um, core revenue streams in your business today? Yeah, so that's an interesting question, and it's actually a huge part of our journey. So one of the um, realities of Silver Lining is that I got our revenue streams wrong um, the first time. And so when I started the business, we were more of a consulting business. So I built this program to help small businesses grow. Um, but the way that we offered into the world was, like I said, at a consulting way. So we had offices in four cities and we had about 25 staff and we were implementing the methodology in a very kind of human high touch way, which didn't work for a bunch of reasons because our prices had to be too high to cover our overhead for small businesses to be able to afford it. It wasn't really scalable. It was messy. Um, so I shifted our business model. We've always done what we do, which is that we give small business owners this program. We've built Slap. Um, but I shifted from consulting to a training model where we were getting paid to essentially train small businesses. And so we had a lot of corporate sponsorship dollars at that time. Um, we did a lot of work with governments around the country and sorry, around the world. Um, and so our revenue streams became actually quite different where instead of the small businesses paying us, we were getting paid large chunks of money um, by large organizations. Um, but the flaw in that business model is that we couldn't really support the small businesses long-term. So our revenue streams were much more profitable at that point, um, but our mission wasn't really fulfilled in the way that I had imagined it. So we did another big pivot about four years ago, and we invested a lot of time and a lot of money building a software product. Um, and now our business model is software as a service, and, and it really is working. Our price point is really affordable. Our, we still have a decent profit margin. Um, we can scale, and we, and we stick with the business owner long-term. So now our revenue stream um, is, is all software as a service packages, and we've got three different package levels depending on how much support people want. Um, but it, it, we've changed our revenue streams and our model of how we do what we do um, three major times in our 11 years of business to really figure out how to make, find that balance of offering and ma- you know, amazing quality to our customers, which is our primary driver, protecting our business, which is obviously important, um, and really getting that equation of value, profit, delivery um, right. But we, we got it wrong a couple times before we got it right. So, <laughs> Wow, that's been a, a huge journey. Um, so evolving into a SaaS model, so before we get into that, how, how, what is your core service offering that you've, I guess, evolved on the different um, platforms, I guess, to get to where you are now, but what, what are you offering? Yeah. So, um, the background of it is that when I, when I was 21, right, right out of university, I got a big job in advertising. And so I was living in Toronto, um, working in advertising and I was working on business development, um, across the country. And I, kept going to small business networking events just to make friends and meet people because I was new to Toronto. And I was really struck by this fascinating conundrum where all these small business owners that I met were so passionate about what they did and they worked so hard and they cared so much, but they really struggled to figure out how to build a profitable, sustainable business. And then in the corporate life that I was living, my very short corporate life, but I was there for a year, um, you know, I kept meeting all these people who, who had in a lot of ways given up their true passion um, for, you know, security. 
And I just thought to myself, you know, I don't want to make that choice. I don't want to give up money or passion. I want to make money doing what I love. And I really want to help other people do that. And so that was the beginning. My mission was to figure out how to help small business owners make more money doing what they love. Um, I interviewed 400 business owners trying to figure out why it's so hard to grow a small business, why the failure rate's so high. Based on those interviews, um, I was kind of, I had this clarified problem that I discovered, which is that um, small businesses never have enough time and they never have enough money and they need more time to make more money and more money to make more time. And we call that the cash flow capacity catch 22. And so in response to that, um, we created this methodology called a SLAP, which is a silver lining action plan. And it's essentially based in behavior change psychology. And it's it's what I would say our take is on a modern, provocative, interesting, action-oriented, interactive business plan or a business growth plan. And so um, it's essentially a one-year program. Uh, you spend the first 30 days or so building a one-year growth plan where you think about what you want your business to be. You evaluate your business model. You set financial goals. You understand who your ideal customer is. You build an action plan to go into the market and meet that customer and find that customer and connect with that customer so that you hit your goals. Um, but then once the plan is built, which is really, you know, the minor part of it, then you actually have to implement it. So the part that we're the most proud of is that once the plan is built, which takes about 10 hours, um, for the next 12 months, we give our, our businesses a ton of structure and support and training. And I can go into the details of that. But essentially what we've learned through behavior change psychology is that business owners don't need, you know, more inspirational content or another self-help book or another workshop or seminar they really need long-term support to adjust their behavior so that their day-to-day activity um, starts to shift to get them better results. And so um, that is what we've built. We've built this kind of long-term relationship with our customers where we give them tons of structure support, training, accountability, um, and resources to not just build a growth plan, but to actually make sure they implement it long-term. Well, okay. So I'm just literally on your on your site and looking at the different options that you're providing. So you've got about four or five different um, options that people can choose to become, to apply to be your client. And so that's your current model, but it looks like it's SaaS overlaid with um, consultancy as well at the, at the top end of the tiers. Is that right? That's right. So essentially, our, our pricing is between 200 and 500 a month. And, and for every single person at, at the 200 and every other level, they get four things. They get access to Slap Center, which is our software, where they build their plan and then they manage their results. So Slap Center has like goal tracking systems. It has almost like a business journal. It has a resource center where every resource you would need um, to actually implement the plan we've created for you. Um, it's this really comprehensive support you know, place where you can go and log in anytime. Um, everyone gets a slap assistant, which is like, think of it as the most annoyingly, pleasantly persistent customer service team and on the planet where we're actually watching your behavior using data from the software. And then we're reaching out to say, Hey Davis, you know, you haven't logged in or Hey, you said you wanted this to be your quarterly goal, but you haven't hit it yet. How do we support you staying on track? So it's essentially like an accountability partner. 
Um, you get access to Slap School, which is on ongoing training that we put together, all online. Um, and then Slap World is essentially where we connect our business owners to each other to do business, to other resources that we negotiate for them, um, where we kind of create this world of business owners supporting each other. So everyone gets those four things. And then we have Slap Experts, which are um, successful entrepreneurs who have um, reached a point in their career where they want to give back, they want to help. And so they get certified in our program and in our methodology. And there are Slap Experts. And so um, if you pay more than 200 a month, you're essentially getting time with a Slap Expert. And those are like you know, mentors, guides, um, help, they help you clarify your thinking. They help you get through when you're stuck. And um, you work with a slap expert either one-on-one or in a group um, and either once a week or once a month. And so the amount that you pay just is about how much time you spend with a slap expert. Mm, love it. How did you come up with this um, model? Did you do lots of testing? Did you do some beta runs or how did you go? Yeah, I would say we came up with this model by doing it wrong so many times. So um, I I am definitely a voice of reason in the world of entrepreneurship. And I am definitely someone who believes that you earn your stripes not by your moments of grand success, but by your moments of massive failure. And so, um, you know, we've gone through it all. We... We grew really quickly. So we hit, you know, million, a million dollars in revenue in our first year of business. But growth, um, growth is not always good. Growth, you know, killed us. We were $400,000 of debt in debt, you know, by our second year in business because we grew too fast and we didn't have venture capital. I bootstrapped it. And so, um, you know, we got to this model, I would say from a, a couple of different lenses, um, you know, we, we did consulting, we tried training, we went down the path of franchising, you know, we tried a lot of business models and in every single one of those business models, I would say the thing that I'm the most realistic about is that they failed, right? Like I messed, they didn't work, but the thing I'm most proud of is that we learned so much and, and I have been very conscious about really three things, you know, the quality of of the program for our businesses. You know, are we actually moving the needle on their success? Because if we're not doing that, what's the point? That's our number one contender. But then number two, you know, is my business profitable? You know, I was, we were at certain points in our business evolution offering so much value, but we were killing ourselves. You know, our business was going into debt. We were not going to survive, which of course means we couldn't live out our mission. So that wasn't working. Um, you know, and then I just think about, you know, the way to scale. So those are the three things that I think about, you know, are we offering value? Can our business succeed? And can we scale so that we have a big impact? And, um, you know, in every evolution of the business that I've attempted in every version of the business model, you know, I've made my best guess at those three things. And then I've learned a lot as we've actually implemented it. And so, you know, we got here, you know, thankfully, I, I really do believe and we've got you know, data to support it, that all three of those things are answered finally in the business model that we, that we now have. And it's something that we're really committed to and that we're, you know, working on scaling pretty aggressively right now. But, um, you know, we got here through a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And I think that that's a lesson business owners forget sometimes, you know, we live in this age right now where everyone wants to raise millions and sell for billions and, you know, exit within three years. And, you know, there's certainly versions of that story, but, I think that the real story of entrepreneurship that doesn't get told enough is that 
we try and we fail and things work and we learn and they don't work and then we learn more and you know we get good over time and so um, ours is that story ours is we got good over you know 10 years of wins and losses and big successes and some big failures and um you know and have kind of arrived here but we've arrived by consistently listening looking at data being prepared to make tough calls not being so committed to something that we wouldn't you know, scrap it, retrying, rebuilding, persisting. Um, you know, so it's not as glamorous as people would like it to be, our story. Um, but that's the real story. Yeah. Um, I love how you candid about this. Um, <clears throat> I want to know what, um, what made you leave corporate and give you the guts to, 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 to say, you know, you can do it. And then, you know, what led you to doing that process of interviewing 400 business owners um, as your route to getting out? So, you know, it's interesting. I, so I come from a background where my original plan was to get a degree in theater and then my degree actually became a degree in psychology. And so, you know, I never, and I did a ton of community work and service work. Um, I never, I don't think I would have identified myself as an entrepreneur like that. You know, I didn't wake up born to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't my instinct. My instinct was very much about giving back. I've always been very mission oriented. And so um, when I went to work at the advertising agency, I also certainly never had corporate aspirations. It was more, I think, honestly, the story of my career is that I'm really curious. And so I kept doing things and trying things and, um, just because I was interested, because I wanted to see what it was like. And so I was interested in advertising, and I wanted to see if I could do it, and so I went there. But I pretty quickly realized that the the corporate culture was just so not a fit for me. I'm so mission-oriented that if I don't think that I'm changing the world, then I just don't want to do it. And so, um, you know, it was interesting. I think I learned a lot. Um, it, It exposed me to a lot. But I was really clear that, like, at a gut soul level this was not my life's work and I was only 21 but I but I did know that for sure um and something about meeting these business owners just it it connected to that part of me that gut soul part of me that that made me want to help and I and I really you know going back to what we talked about when we first started I really do believe in this idea that we can create our reality and I think I connected most to the fact that these business owners felt so stuck and I don't I don't I don't want people to feel stuck I want to you know be a voice of the fact that you know I've been stuck many times and I've worked really hard to get myself out so I know it's possible to get out of being stuck and so um you know I honestly think that you know I again I wish (laughs) I wish that my story was that it was really strategic and I had this big business plan and I had been thinking about it for five years and then I did the move. It really wasn't, it wasn't that. It was um, a gut decision made without a lot of advanced thinking. And it was because I was drawn to this problem that I wanted to help solve. And I didn't, you know, I mean, I was 22 and I had never started a business. I clearly had no idea how to figure out how to help small businesses grow. Um, but I wanted to. And so that was really, that was the impetus for me. It was that there was a problem that I saw that I cared a lot about. Um, and kind of at that, like, gut structural level. Um, How did you and, get your first client, Carissa? Yeah, so I worked for free for anyone who would listen to me. Um, mm. I did 
I hustled like crazy. So um, I called the day that I quit my job. So I went to work, not totally planning to quit my job in the morning and I quit by noon and um, I was walked out right away actually. So um so I went home on April 25th, 2005, and I was like, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm in business, like it or not. And so I did two things that I think were really helpful that I would totally recommend. Um, the first is that I, I just, I made a list of all these business owners around the world, people who I wanted, who I would hope to be my client, essentially. Um, and I called them and I asked if I could interview them. I didn't call them to sell anything. I didn't call them to pitch anything. I called and I asked if I could learn from them. And that was absolutely, um, that was probably one of the most significant moments in my career where I realized that um, talking to people is the most fascinating way to learn what's really going on. Maybe I should have been a journalist in a different life, but um I learned so much from those interviews. Silver Lining was built based on the information I gathered from listening to real small business owners about what their struggles were and then figuring out, you know, what they needed and then figuring out how I could potentially offer that to them. So that was the number one most important thing I did. Um, And out of those interviews, I got so much business. I mean, people kept hiring me. I remember one of my advisors said, if you want money, ask for advice. And if you want advice, ask for money. And, um... That was definitely my experience um, way back then. Um, and then the second thing is I just called everyone that I knew. People, you know, high school teachers that believed in me, family members who thought I was, you know, you know, someone worth believing in. Um, I just called everyone I knew and I said, listen, I'm doing this thing. I know it's crazy. I know I haven't done it before. But if you need help or if you know anyone that needs help, like I'm open for business and I'm cheaper than I will ever be again right now, um, you know, let me try to help you so that I can learn as well. And so that, I mean, those two things built up a huge amount of business really quickly. Wow. And and how long before you built a team around you? Um, I, it, I, I think I hired my first person, which was an assistant within a couple of months. Um, and within, let me think about this for sure. Within a year, we definitely had a little, a little crew, a little handful of people. Um, and within two years, we were, you know, probably at about 12, 15 people. That was pretty fast, wasn't it? Really fast. And again, I always temper that story, right? You know, our world is obsessed with revenue and staff count as signs of success. And I had both of those things. I had a lot of revenue and I had a lot of staff, but I also wasn't profitable. And so, um, you know, I think it's really interesting to think about what we measure as success in the world today. Um, you know, and, and now with, you know, a little bit of wisdom behind me, you know, I could care less what our revenue is and I could care less what our staff count is. In fact, I'm working really hard to keep our staff count as low as possible because I actually think that's the sign of a good business um, or at least an efficient business. Um, and I'm much more worried about our profitability or scalability or automation, um, you know, building a business that can serve people at an affordable cost. And so, um, yeah, my perspective has really changed in terms of how I define success. Mm. How are you growing your business today now that you've pivoted into this new model? Yeah, so we have um, we have kind of two we have a growth team, and on that growth team we have two sub teams. So um, the first is our partnership team. So we have discovered and we love to essentially build relationships where we can almost plant slap into other organizations. So. 
Um, we found that banks, for example, right? When you give a loan, give someone a slap. Don't just give them money. Actually help them use that money successfully. Or um, franchises and brokerage firms, right? Don't just sell someone a franchise or don't just sign someone up to be a mortgage broker in your brokerage firm. Give them a slap. Like help them actually succeed with this new venture they're on. So um, <clears throat> we've been spending a lot of time with economic development agencies, banks, franchises and brokerages and associations um, looking at creative ways for us to use SLAP to complement how they serve small businesses to increase the chance of the small business, the partner, us, you know, and the economy. So we call it like our quadruple win strategy. Um, So that's a big part of how we grow. And then the other is just our kind of direct connecting team. And the direct connecting team is always thinking about fun um, promotions we can offer. We do a lot of referrals. Um, We get a lot of referrals from our network. Um, And then we do a lot of thought leadership. You know, we try to teach SLAP and the methodology as often as possible so that small business owners just have access to the information. Um, I speak quite a bit. So there's a lot where we're kind of directly in front of small businesses that the second team manages. Um, and our mission on that side is to, you know, not market, but to offer support, offer help, educate people, train people, give access to resources. And so that that team's job is really focused on helping small businesses, um, you know, prior to them potentially actually being a customer of ours. Mm-hmm. What would you say um, has been your biggest breakthrough moment in your business? Hmm. Um... That's a good question. What's been my biggest breakthrough moment? You know, there was a um there was a summer, I think it was 4 years ago, and I was exhausted and I was borderline burnt out and um and I just, you know, we were in the middle of building the software, which was of course over budget and over time as every software development project is, and I just thought, you know, ugh, is this, is this going to work? <laughs> like, is this working? Um, and, you know, I talked to, I've, I have been very lucky to have a couple of mentors who have been, and advisors who have been really um, influential. And that summer in particular, um, one of my advisors said to me, you know, Chris, a greatness is a choice. And you have been gifted um, with certain capabilities that you were just born with. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to decide how you're going to be in the world and you've essentially got to decide if you're going to be great and if you're going to make this business great. Um, you know, it doesn't come easily. Greatness is a choice you make every single day. And, you know, marathon runners don't win, you know, one Olympic race. They got up every single day and did the hard training every single morning, you know, for four or 10 or 20 years to be ready for that one race, you know, to win that one gold medal. And, um, you know, he said, are you going to be great? What are you going to do? What's your choice? And so that, that moment, um, was not just a turning point in my business, although it certainly was in the business, but I think in me where, um, you know, I really abandoned this, this story of what entrepreneurship needed to look like or what success looked like. And I really, you know, picked up the baton and started training uh, for the, like for the real journey. And so, um, that perspective shift, I think, really changed things. You know, it was really, you know, I live in New York and I and I live amongst the world of tech entrepreneurs and I am ambitious and we had a lot of crazy success early on. And so, um, you know, I carried a lot of pressure around 
around all those things. And I don't think I was authentically being who I am. And I don't think I was authentically running silver lining the way that I really believe businesses should be run. And so something about that moment and something about that summer and all the soul searching I was doing and all the work that I was doing, um, it was a real turning point for me. I think it was uh, pivotal on many levels, um, including the fact that, you know, my business has been doing really well since then. But, um, you know, that, that was a, that was, that was the question I needed to be asked at that moment for sure. Mm. Well, that's very interesting. So, so just being authentic and just going back to that realization of, do I really want to be great? And do I really just want to focus in on what I'm really called to do? Um, but was there also a low moment that you felt has been, you know, a breaking point in, in your last 11 and a half years that you can share? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the, so one of the interesting parts of our story is that, um, we, so, so because we didn't raise capital going back to this debt situation that we were in, um, we had a lot of friends and family money. So what I would do is if we were low on cash flow, I would borrow money um, and then I would pay it back at a high interest rate. And so, you know, for so many obvious reasons now that I'm older and wiser, that was really stupid, but that's what I was doing when I was, you know, 23 and trying to manage crazy growth. And, um, and so what, what happened in that process is that we were getting further and further in debt because I was making these crazy short term deals um, with people that I knew and loved who loved me, which is why they would help me. Um, and as I was paying, you know, so say I borrowed $50,000, but I paid 60,000 back two weeks later, you know, to manage cash flow. you know, you do that enough times and you're, you're spending a lot of money on that high interest. And so, um, you know, like I said, a couple of years in, we were close to $400,000 in debt. And that was a combination of, you know, money we owed people, but also, um, you know, accounts receivable, you know, people, People didn't pay their bills. You know, it was just, it was the perfect storm of growing too fast, doing stupid deals, um, not having enough resources, not, not raising capital for the, not aligning our capital with our growth goals. You know, all of the things that I now know that I didn't know then. And, um, and I, and the low point in all of this is that, you know, there were a lot of people who were really mad at me, who had lost faith in me, who wondered, if I was um, as trustworthy or as capable as they had originally thought I, I was. And there were people that I owed money to and we you know, didn't pay it back the day we said we would. And um, it was brutal. And it was, it was brutal for a lot of reasons. One certainly was just financially, it was stressful, but you know, much more importantly, I felt like I was compromising relationships I cared about. Um, and then at an even deeper level, you know, I was, I was questioning myself, you know, I had been kind of a rock star until this point. I hadn't really failed in a big way until then. And, um, it was embarrassing. It was, you know, confidence shattering. It was, um, it was hard. It was brutal. Um, and so I had to do a lot of work to, figure out what happened um, and figure out, you know, how to handle it better. And, but it was, it was a really tough moment. It was by, you know, definitely a moment where, um, yeah, it could have gone either way. That's what I would say for sure. Mm. What would you change quickly? Um, I would have asked for help a lot sooner. So I was so young and I had built this business around being an expert and how to grow a business. And here was this irony that in the background, my own business was really struggling um, 
financially. Again, on the outside, we looked great. We were winning awards. We were growing and, and we were, it was a good business. You know, we were helping lots of people and, and our debt ratio was actually not bad. Um, when it comes down to it, I just didn't handle it properly because I didn't know what I was doing. Cause I, you know, and so, um, I was embarrassed that I didn't know what to do. I was embarrassed that I felt like I was in this financial predicament. Um, and instead of going and asking for help, I, you know, felt like I had to figure it out myself. And so, um, the longer that I went without asking for help, the worse it got, not surprising. Um, and when I finally kind of like, you know, broke down, gave up and went to people and said, okay, here's the situation I'm in. I literally don't know what to do. I feel like a total loser. <laughs> um, you know, I got, I got two things. I got the strategic input that I needed to solve the problem, which was solvable. And, um, and I got, you know, the emotional support of hearing that, you know, my pro- my problems were not unique. My challenges were not things that other entrepreneurs had got, not gone through. Um, and that, you know, I wasn't a total loser. And so, um, but I, you know, I wish I could have saved myself so much angst if I had asked for help sooner, if I had talked to people, if I had asked for input. Um, but I didn't. My pride held me back for too long. And so my misery was my own making in that way. Mm. <clears throat> well, I love you sharing that. Now, we're unfortunately, we're coming to the top of the hour here. So I want to ask you a couple of really quick Quick questions, and, um, and let's see if we can if we can work through these quickly. Um, give me a quick look at um, what a day in your life looked like when you started your business eleven and a half years ago versus a day in your life today. Yeah, um, I would say that they actually look kind of similar, although slightly different. I'm in meetings all day long, um, and I have been in a very consistent mission to build structure around me. To really operate the business. So I would say that when I first started, all my meetings were business development. I made a commitment to talk to at least four new people every single day um, for the first like five years of business. And now I would say that I probably am doing equal amounts of external meetings, but I also spend at least probably three hours a day in internal meetings with my staff. So the only shift has been that I've spent a bit more time internally now, um, but I'm equally dedicated at this point to be outward, to be meeting people, to be asking questions, to be learning new things, to be building new partnerships. Um, so that that has stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk about books. Um, you've got three books. You've got maybe you've got more right now. But um, uh, talk to me about your books. Yeah, I would say that the you know so the first book is called Inspiring Entrepreneurs. Um, how to build a business to its first million. And so that was based on those 400 interviews that I did um, and the lessons that I learned in that. And then also it, it's kind of an overview of our methodology. Um, the second book I wrote was just an ebook, but it's called I Will. And it and it's about the systems that I use to try to keep track of everything I have to do um, and actually do them because that's a big part of what I'm learning through Silver Lining and behavior change psychology is that, you know, ideas don't mean a lot. It's actually action and doing it and implementing that does. And so um, that was really about trying to remind people that we need to actually do stuff to be successful. And then the third book is called um, Thank You Small Business. And that is about 
um, you know, what's going on in the economy and how critically important small business is to it. And um, it's both a thank you message um, in a literal sense to small business owners for how hard they work for the economy um, to create jobs, to create opportunities. But it's also a call to action to the general public to essentially advocate for and support small business more. Mm-hmm. Where can we get those books? You know, I am so bad at promoting those books, but probably the best place right now um, would be to go to carissareiniger.com. And um, soon, if you go to our website, smallbizsilverlining.com, they'll be available there as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, Carissa, what's the best way for people to connect with you? So I love, love, love to hear from all of you. Um, so please do reach out. If there's anything I can help you with personally, if there's anything our team can help you with, um, please let us know. We're very excited when we hear from people um, and very invested in helping. The best thing to do is go to our website. So smallbizsilverlining.com. Um, and there's a contact form. And I actually personally read every single form that comes in. So um, I will see it and we will, you know, connect you to whoever we need to connect you to to help you with whatever you need amazing now carissa thanks for your time before i ask my last question i really want to thank you you've poured out your heart here and what i'm sensing is you're you're a girl on a mission you really want to impact people's lives and help small business um which is incredible i think that's a great great heart to have so so thank you for coming on the show i know you're flat out busy um so we appreciate you coming and sharing your story on the business owners community now for my last question i know it's a big question but maybe you can help summarize it in a quick way and when all is said and done do you ever think about legacy and if you do what do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why yeah that's a great question um so on the silver lining front, I would certainly want my legacy to be that I that I did create a business that changed the economy one small business at a time, that we built something that would last far beyond me, that um, that had an impact globally, um, and that helped thousands and thousands and thousands of small businesses, you know, become a little bit more profitable and sustainable so that they could hire just a few more people um, so that the economy really was changed. So I hope and believe that my legacy with Silver Lining will be that I created something that changed the success rate of small business. Um, and as a person, I hope and pray and I, you know, work on this every day and I hope that this will be true. But um, I hope that I just remind people that you can create the reality that you want, that anything is possible, that um, life is not easy, but it's totally interesting and that... Um, you know, I hope I hope people know a little bit more um, through their interactions with me that if you go for it, it'll be messy, it'll be hard, um, but it'll be amazing, and whatever you want is totally possible. Amazing, fantastic. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of our show. Impact the economy one small business at a time and create your reality and just go for it. Thank you so much, Carissa, for being on the show today. My prayer for all of you listening today is that you get your hopes up that you are good enough to live out your dreams. Head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes. Type in Carissa, C-A-R-I-S-S-A, and all the show notes will pop up with everything. And to connect uh, with Carissa and her team, smallbizsilverlining.com or carissareiniger.com. Krista, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you for coming on the Business Journals podcast today, sharing your story with us. We're absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate it. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me 
at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.